Conjanet, good friends of mine are in church. God bless you guys. Good to see you. And I believe um, Percy and Chrissius, you're in church with a brand new baby. Where's the baby? Down here. Oh, fantastic. Now, this is, how do you say the name? Salanyata. That doesn't sound Celtic somehow. And uh, absolutely beautiful baby. Let's give them a hand as uh, we share this wonderful moment of new life. I love them when they're that small. When they get bigger, they get more challenging. <laughs> uh, bless them. So fantastic. It's good to have Monica in church as well, visiting with us. Good to see you, Monica, and a few other faces around. What about you, Fong? You want to take a rain check? Okay. Fantastic. Let's give one of the heroes of our house a welcome. She's a... Um, one of those quiet sort of people, but boy, does she do some stuff. Hello, um, my name is Fong, and um, I'm married to Jeff. We have three children, two girls and a boy. Um, they're not here with us today, but it is our prayer that one day very soon, they should be back to where they belong. Now, I'm very nervous, so <laughs> please bear with me. Um, I just want to share my testimony with you um, with regards to what Pastor Mike has spoken last week about being led by the Spirit. Now, many years ago, our marriage was falling apart. And um, it was then that I came to know Christ. I prayed and I asked God to help me. Um, but then I helped myself as well. <laughs> I did everything I could to save our marriage. But it was all in vain. Years went by, and our situation remained the same. Until in the very end, I felt so hopeless, so helpless, and utterly defeated. And I surrendered everything to God. And I just concentrated on looking after our children, looking after myself, and building my relationship with Christ. Then one evening I was driving home and God spoke to me. Now I knew it was God because he was asking me to do something that I didn't want to. That's often a very good sign, isn't it? <laughs> if you don't want to know, if you want to know what the voice of God's like, it's usually when there's this voice asking you to do the right thing when you don't want to do the right thing. Yeah. Very good, Funk. That's right. He asked me to bless Jeff. And I said, what for? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> After all the pain that he caused me, that was the last thing I wanted to do. But then God said, because I love him too. Oh. So the next day when Jeff rang, much against my will, I said, bless you, hon. And even he was surprised. <laughs> he said, Why? And I said, because God had told me to. And then... <coughs> From then on, my prayers began to change. Instead of, you know, praying that Jeff would come home, I started praying for his soul, for his salvation. And um, I prayed that God would reveal himself to Jeff and that 
God was soft in Jeff's heart that Jeff would know. Anyway, God is good. <laughs> and um, one day, one Sunday morning during praise and worship, God spoke to me again. And he said, all those years that the locusts had taken, I will repay you. And church, that was 16 years ago. (laughs) And today, my husband is safe. Yeah, fantastic. How how he got there, that's his testimony. You will have to ask him. (laughs) But um, I just want to... Um, how do I say it? I just want to affirm what Mr. Bolt said last week about, what did he say again? (laughs) (laughs) About delighting yourself in the Lord and he will fulfill the desire of your heart. Absolutely. Great truth. Let's give her a hand. I know that's very difficult for... uh, Wrong to do, being quiet and shy like she is. But what a great real life story is that, you know, the stuff that we try to communicate to you and love from the Bible, it actually works. And if you do the stuff, life tends to make sense. If you do God's will, God's way, you get God's benefits. If you do your will, your way, you get your benefits. Does anybody know the difference? <laughs> anybody try to run life themselves? I did. Uh, I'll share a confession with you. Um, we, with, with Monique's illness being the way it is, one of the things we've uh, done is that we've bought a large rainwater tank because instead of drinking the bore water and washing the bore water, that may have caused the... Uh, the neuro- neurological issues that she has, we thought we'll put this rainwater tank in. And it's cost us a fair amount of money. And to save money, I thought I'd do all the plumbing myself. And I know nothing about plumbing, but I'll have a go. You know, I know nothing about brain surgery, but I'll have a go. <laughs> I mean, how hard can it be? It's not brain surgery. No, it is brain surgery. Okay. So I thought I'd do this. So I'm trying to plumb it back to the house. And I'm under time pressure. I live a very busy life. And so time's always a huge issue for me. So I'm trying to get the job done, particularly because I was flying down to Esperance for three days to teach theology to the students down at Esperance at Grace Academy and Teen Challenge. So I knew I was going to be away for three days. And I'm smart enough to know that if you leave the house without water for three days, you will not be popular. So I'm trying to get the job done. Anyway, it gets to the end of the day on the Monday, and I haven't got the water flowing. It trickles out. So, you know, they're not going to, you know, they, they'll be able to drink a glass of water if they wait long enough. Uh, and I get on the plane, I come back, and I catch this terrible flu. I'm still just getting over it now. Catch this terrible flu, but I've got to fix the water. So I get out there, and I put on my, you know, my overalls and you know my belt my hammer and all that sort of stuff i go over the whole system and i go over the whole system and i go over the whole system and it's just not working and i found my sanctification diminishing as the day went by 
I found myself struggling as the day went by. And as I got further and further today, I'm coughing and sneezing. My head's hurting. My body's hurting. And I've tried every pipe. I've tried everything I know to try and fix whatever's going wrong with the system. I've even Googled it. And I'm getting about 6 o'clock. I'm losing light. Mosquitoes are out. And I want to say to you, I was not in a good place. I was tearing up. I was about to cry. Life was a stinker. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants me. I thought God liked me, you know. Nothing was working. And then this thought came into my head. Why don't you pray? I mean, I'm a pastor. (laughs) It took me all day. To get to the end of myself, the end of my own ability, the end of my own self-reliance, and then comes the great thought, why don't you pray? (laughs) I felt so stupid. And I'd love to say to you that the moment the thought came, all of a sudden I was flooded with faith. You know, the gift where I could move all mountains, you know. I'd just be happy to move water at this stage. (laughs) I'd love to say that. But the truth is, there wasn't a lot of faith there. So I prayed. I said, dear Jesus, I'm so sorry that I'm talking to you now. <laughs> but could you just fix the water, please? And ten minutes later, this blockage suddenly exploded. There was brown water all over the place, but I was a happy boy. <laughs> and I'd gone from depression to rejoicing and dancing under the sprinklers. It was wonderful. <laughs> But it's interesting, isn't it? The nature of the human condition is that we want to try and fix it ourselves and not do it God's way. We want to fix our life, want to seek happiness all our own way. And time has slipped by. It's almost 10 past 11. So we've been doing a series on the uh, book of Corinthians. And we've noted from the book of Corinthians, it's a lot like the modern church today in that it's a church that's young and early And it's full of problems. This is a church that has some issues. And we've walked through the book and we found out that some of those problems related to class distinction. Australians don't have a lot of that going on. The only class distinction in Australian society are the haves and the have-nots. Money is the class in Australia. In other cultures, it's not the same way. So there's class distinctions. There is uh, confusion about worldly thinking and worldly philosophy, Greek philosophy, professional speakers. There is um, schisms taking place in the church where they've got their favorite speakers. They've got their favorite guys. That's causing division. You've got uh, uh, confusion at the Lord's table. You've got drunkenness at the Lord's table. You've got sexual immorality of such that's not even acceptable in the world. I mean, the church has some issues. That's been the journey. And we realize that as we get into chapter 11, uh, we're starting to move into the things of the Spirit. Then we're going to move into chapter 12 today. And the Bible starts to talk about moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, about being Spirit-led. And so one of the big things we've got to realize this is that you actually don't have to be spiritual, particularly mature, or to have great character to move in the gifts. As long as you know Jesus... Anybody can move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's actually a good thing in one way 
because it means it's not to the elect few. It's not only for those that have, you know, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and have climbed up to some mountain, have had some sort of revelation with God, that have got no problems in their life, no sin, no temptation, whatever. No, if you look at the Corinthian church, the problem is, is that they're all moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are all moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The trouble is they're doing it in a way that unfortunately hurts people. And so this is what he's trying to do. He says, yes, please move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but understand that we need to love one another, support one another, grow one another. That these wonderful tools that God gives us of the supernatural are not designed as toys that we can play around with and make me feel good get me time on the microphone, give me the spotlight, but they're designed to help the church together to be edified, to grow and to be encouraged. And that's why we've got the love chapter in the middle, you see. The love chapter says, if you speak with tongues but you're arrogant and rude, well, don't do it. If you can move mountains, you have faith. If you have all these wonderful gifts operating but you have not love, then you are... Zero. I mean, this is blunt, isn't it? doesn't matter how gifted you are, how many gifts you have, but if you can't actually function in love, then you are nothing because God is love. It's the essential nature of God. And so we took a couple of weeks to slow down a little bit and talk about being led of the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Fong, for being led of the Holy Spirit and demonstrating how being led of the Holy Spirit is so critical to the breakthrough, the victory that we all seek in our lives. We will all have problems, yes. We will all have storms, yes. We'll all have challenges, yes. But the ability to hear what God is saying to you at that time and obey it is where the victory comes from. So we spoke about how it's so important to be led of the Spirit. And we, one week we actually showed you that in Romans 8 verse 14. It is actually the definition of real Christianity. What defines real Christianity is not going to a church. Sadly, many people who go to church will also go to hell. It's not defined by how much you pray, because sadly, a lot of people that pray will also go to hell. It's not defined by a lot of the things that the world would define as Christian. What the Bible says is, those that are led... By the Spirit are the sons of God. It's this ability to know when God's leading you. Now, if we were to have an animal right now, if I had a bit more time for creativity, it would have been good to bring in one of our little doggies. Never would have gone, oh, cute, 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 and stuff, and all the rest. But I can manipulate my dog very easy. Now, you need to know that one of my dogs is a blonde golden retriever, and it's a blonde. It is just dopey. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've probably just lost half the audience. Okay, I'm sorry. It's just a dumb dog. However, I can manipulate the dog not by obedience to its master's command. I am the alpha male of our household. I have my wife's permission to say so. <laughs> the dogs and the cats, they will part the Red Sea for me to walk. But it won't respond to me because of her, his master's voice he'll respond to me because if i got some nice little biscuits that he likes or some nice little doggy treats 
I could say to you, I can make this dog do anything I want. I can make it come out that door and go out that corridor, even though it won't respond to my instructions norm. This is not me being clever and he's been trained. I can manipulate the dog by its appetite. Now, I've just said something very important there. I can manipulate the dog because of his base appetites. If I put a little bit of well, chicken mince there, and a little bit of chicken mince there, and a little bit of chicken mince there, and a little bit there, and a little bit there, and a little bit there, right out to the corridor, you know what that dog will do? It will just follow the pattern all the way out. Unless you can smell something better in your pocket. <laughs> the Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air, in Ephesians chapter 2, and that he is currently manipulating humans on the earth through their appetites. We think we have a free will, but if you're not in Jesus Christ, you actually have no choice. You will follow what the devil puts in front of you. The devil puts in front of you success, and you think, I love success, so I'm going to choose success. Bang! Then he'll put in front of you, I don't know, girl. I love girls, so I ain't going to choose girl. You think you are being exercising your free will. Next minute might be iPhone. <laughs> I choose now my iPhone. And I chose my iPhone. But you're not actually using your will at all. You're actually being manipulated by your desires. You've been manipulated by the appetites in your life. And the devil is totally able to determine what will work for you. He's not omnipresent, he's not omniscient, but he's clever. And he will work out what strategy is most likely designed to get you. He's actually quite clever about that. You know, he wouldn't bother to tempt me of some areas. Area of finance, for example, quite frankly, by the grace of God, it's just not an issue for me. I sit with Anne. God shall supply all my needs. He is my shepherd. And I just have proved God over and over again that I've got a bank account called heaven. And I can take my last $50 out of, the out of the pocket here. And before the day's over, I can get another $50 back in that pocket there. The kingdom just is wonderful. God will never be my debtor. So, you know, money's never going to be an issue for me. There are maybe chocolate. Maybe coffee. <laughs> the devil knows, doesn't he? Now, Romans uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, that now concerning spiritual matters, guys, or concerning spiritual people, the words are spiritual, they supply the actual word there, concerning spiritual matters, when you were formally led astray as pagans, you were familiar with this. And so Paul is using a very clear teaching principle where you begin with the known to teach the unknown. You don't try and teach people in uh, abstract sense. You begin with what they know and then you lead them to what they don't know. And so what he's saying is every human being knows what it's like to be led astray. Yeah? Some, some can nod. We know what it's like. Now when you're being led astray... Nothing actually overwhelms you. 
we, we, we sometimes blame the devil. We sometimes blame. I couldn't help myself. But that is frankly just a cop-out. As you're driving down the road, boom, 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 and all of a sudden the idea comes into your head. Funny about that. This idea comes into your head. Oh, I could just use a bottle of Jim Bean. I think Jim Bean will make me happy. Funny where that thought comes from because you're just driving down the road, weren't you? Just driving down the road, not thinking of anything. All of a sudden that thought comes in. Jim Bean makes you happy. And right then, you have a prompting. It's not demanding. It's not screaming at you. It's not a demon that's got you around by the throat. It's going to make you drive into the bottle shop and buy the Jim Bean. It is just a prompt. But right now, you've actually got to say, no, that's a lie. That's not what the Bible teaches. Or you actually, actually just give into it and you are led into that behavior. And so the Bible says that the Holy Spirit operates in a sort of like a similar way. The Holy Spirit will never make you function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He will never force you. In fact, sometimes in church life, those that begin to move in the gifts, they say, I couldn't help myself. You know, I was so, the pressure, the, the Spirit was on me so much, I was going to throw up, I was going to be so thick. Now, sometimes that's nerves, but it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he'll never force anybody to do anything. He will prompt you to do something. And that then is a case of yielding to the Holy Spirit. I've been reading a book recently. Oh, time's almost gone. I've been reading a book today written by um, a neuro... This is about neurological science, how the brain works. And it's been very fascinating because this is like cutting-edge science of what science is discovering, how this incredible thing works in our mind. And what it says... One of the big discoveries is that we've got sort of the subconscious part of the mind that still to this day, computers can't mimic that power of your subconscious. You know, the memories it can keep, the relationships it can build, it is just an incredibly tetrabyte, huge machine. But then it's what they've identified is that there's a little part up the front of the brain called the prefrontal cortex which is sort of like for all the, the computer people, you'll understand, this is like a small cache. It's a very, very small area in which to hold information. In other words, you can really only think of one thing at a time. True? You try and think of five things at a time, you can't do it. So what you've got is this huge bank of knowledge, this huge memory of experiences, knowledge, the Word of God, whatever... And the place in which it becomes activated is a very small area. Another way to think about it would be actually to look at a church this size and you are all the memories and the experiences of Mike Keating. Okay? You all have a bit of a story about Mike Keating, a bit of the knowledge of Mike Keating. And in order for me to dialogue with you, I've got to bring you up onto the stage, which is the small cache area in our mind. But the stage is actually where the drum kick is. Not all of us can get on all at once. Two or three maybe at the maximum, and so you've got this very small area. And what the neuroscientist says is that when you're in that area, that's where you make decisions, that's where you have clarity of thought and whatever. But insight, revelation, 
inspiration doesn't come from there. It comes from the back. It comes from there. And so you can actually put people on a scanner now, you know, one of those big brain scanners, MRIs, and what they can do is if you pray in English, guess what part of the mind you're still using? You're still using that little front bit up here. If you're praying in English, that bit is light, lit up on the charts. Incredible. But if you pray in tongues, an unknown language, guess what happens? That area goes blank and your back area starts to burn, starts to glow. And that's where revelation flows from. Tongues are designed to get you out of the natural into the supernatural. And I think it's just amazing. I really think it's amazing that today science is proving what the Bible's taught for thousands of years. Isn't it amazing, really? And not only that, it's interesting. If you're a depressive personality, if you're a critical personality, if you're negative, the chances are that you never use the back part of your brain. This is actually measurable on the MRIs. So if you have a disposition where you're down, depressed, uh, negative or whatever, you will have few flashes of revelation. Your chance to hear God speak to you will be minimized. And the other thing that's important, of course, is that whilst you're using the back area, if that back area isn't full of the word of God, the revelations, the flashes, the insights that you get will be just not as powerful. And so what that teaches us is there's an incredible need for us to put away the word of God, the word of God into our brains. And the way you get it from the front part to the back part is through repetition. You lay it down as a memory. And so to get it from the front, which has got a, like a two-second cycle time, it's about two seconds, it cycles in two seconds. If you can't hold a thought in your head in the, in the time it takes you to repeat it, you can't remember it. So there's a lot of science that goes with this. So what they're saying is to get it to the back part of your brain, the memory banks, you need to say it about three times. But if it's really important, you need to lay it down. If I was to ask Francis, what did you have for breakfast today? Nothing. Well, that's easy to remember. But if I was to ask her what she had for breakfast two Sundays ago, nothing. That's not a good example because you've got regular patterns. It actually shows you if you've got regular patterns, it gets easier. Because what's laid down to the regularity of the base is there. So this is the way that revelation works, guys. If you lay down in the back of your mind through repetition and learning the word of God, through meditation, what you're doing is you're packing your head full of truth. And then when you get into a casual state where you're not directly using this part of the mind, God can take out Revelation, mountain-moving faith, insight. If I was to say to you today, if we had time to do today, are there people here that can actually tell me of a major breakthrough you've had in your life and you're going through really hard times then God gave you a word and that word changed anything? I'd, I'd have hands all over the congregation. This is what's in operation. And it actually means that you've got to be able to develop... Um, the capacity to actually allow the Holy Spirit to think about your thinking 
Or another way to say it is that your place for wholeness and your capacity to be able to move in revelation is directly dependent upon your capacity to think about what you're thinking. Your ability to think about what you're thinking is what mental health is all about. The people who cannot think about what they're thinking are like my doggy. They will just follow through life and they will just follow the chicken mince trail to wherever it goes. Sadly, many people will go to lost eternity just following chicken mince, following the lemons. So here's the ability. A thought comes into Mike's mind and it's random. It is go buy a bottle of Jim Bean. I don't even know what Jim Bean tastes like, so you know, just to put that on the record. The thought comes into my mind. But if I'm not aware that I've thought the thought, I've already lost the battle. You see what I'm saying? Just the fact you're self-aware. Have you heard that language? Self-aware, they call it metacognition. The ability to know what's happening in your head is a gift that God's given to you and you can never be led by the Holy Spirit and you can actually hear what's happening in your head. If you're not hearing what's happening in your head, then you'll just be led by your emotions, by your feelings, by your appetites. There's not the thing, but God has created us so that we can actually have a thought come to our head and we can say, that sounds like Mike, that sounds like the devil, and that sounds like God. And so a thought comes in my head. Oh, life's terrible. My wife's sick. Kill yourself, Michael. And I say, no. <laughs> Who are you? Get behind me, Satan. I believe my God is a powerful God, that he's the answer. And that comes off out of the front of my brain. That comes out of the back of my brain. That's revelation. And it changes your life. But if I have a thought that comes into my head saying, Mike, go buy the Jim Bean, go look at the pornography, go look at whatever this thing's. I have temptations like anybody, guys. But then if I don't know that that's happening to me, I'm almost there. Can I, have ten, can I have five more minutes? Over the years, well, to, be, um, to get there very quickly, I suffered from very bad manic depression for many, many years. I'm glad to say that that's really uh, a very <coughs> ancient thing in my life and I'm pretty boring these days. But manic depression is an incredibly... Uh, debilitating thing, they call them different things these days, bipolar, multiple personality disorder, cognitive disorders, all these sorts of things. But I could get incredibly depressed. And uh, when I get into those sorts of spaces, it meant that I could literally for weeks not, not roll over bed, not shave, not get out of bed. If you knocked on the door, oh, I'd spark up. Oh, hello, how are you? you know? Door shut, you go home, and I'm back in bed totally depressed, not functioning. I could actually not speak to my wife for days on end. Not a good place to be. And um, however, when God saved me, he saved me. And he loved me enough not to leave me the way I am. And so one of the things I started to do was to learn the word of God. And I started to lay it down in my head. So it didn't happen straight away. 
didn't happen straight. But once it got laid down there, then eventually I began to hear what I was saying to myself. I got attuned to myself talk. I became self-aware. You are in a sad place if you're not self-aware. Do you know how your behavior affects people around you? Some people have got no idea. They bump through life and turn around, look at all the bodies and say, what happened? The ability to start with self-awareness. What's happening in me this morning? Is there peace happening? Is there anxiety happening? Is there negativity happening? Your ability to know that is the start of wholeness and health. But from awareness, you need to then develop the capacity for reflection. Reflection is actually the ability to stand outside yourself and say, Mike, what are you doing? It's the ability to be your own mirror, to understand what you're doing. Mike, that's not a good thing to do. Mike, that is a good thing to do. So you need self-awareness and then self-reflection. The ability to stand out your side, outside yourself, and I've totally lost time today, is what the Greeks called ecstasy, ecstasis. The ability to stand outside of yourself is the place that clarity comes, vision comes, breakthrough comes, because you suddenly have a good look in the mirror. And it's God's mirror of the word. If you if you probe that, blah, 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 blah. if you probe that, blah. slow down, Mike. If you've programmed that away in your mind, when you look at the mirror, you're seeing God's picture of Mike, and not your locked down, small little world interpretation. So you need self awareness. You need reflection, and then comes the ability for insight. And insight comes when you are outside of yourself. If you try to think revelation or drive it out of the small part of the brain, it never comes, never comes. Here's the test. little survey. Who's had some of the best ideas in the shower? Who's had some of the best ideas on the toilet? Come on, be honest. <laughs> Shout to the Lord was written on the toilet. That's where the revelation came from. It's the truth. Darlene would tell you. One of the greatest songs that have ever been written in modern times. Written on the toilet. The reason why is you're not consciously thinking about your issue and your problem. you actually got to clear this little part here. Get, we would use the religious language of be in the spirit. And so here's the deal. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Don't be drunk with wine that leads to excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. So this is it, guys. This is how it works. If you came to church today, and I don't care how black you were, how bruised you were, well, I do care. I'm sorry. If you came to church black and bruised today, I'm sorry for you. But if you had come here and you say, okay, I'm going to push through me, and I'm going to start worshipping God, I'm going to start singing songs to God, 
I'm going to start making melody in my heart. I'm going to start doing thanksgiving to God. You actually tap into spiritual laws and it cannot leave you the same way. You would be changed and transformed. The moment you get into alignment and obedience with God and you can actually sing yourself happy. You can sing your... That was, that was a good line, actually. You can sing yourself happy. You can sing yourself well. You can sing yourself prosperous. You can sing yourself into revelation and into all that you need for God. I think I just preached the Bible to you. It's absolutely the truth. And I really worry for those who come to church and they start depressed and they stay depressed. Now, I know there are some churches that can do that to you. You know, I know of one man who changed churches because he went to his church for many, many years and one service he found so depressing and so boring that it took him three hours to work out he'd come to a funeral service by mistake. It is a joke, yes, I know. <laughs> Do you know what it's like to be led astray when you're a pagan? Well, Paul says you also know what it's like then to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know how to be led by the Holy Spirit because it's just going to be a prompting and a yielding and it's going to be a little bit outside of your little world. If you're locked down in your little world, you'll very rarely hear the inspirational, revelational voice of God. It's actually being a little bit lighter, a little bit more carefree, a little bit happier, and revelation will flow in the name of Jesus. I'm looking forward to lots of that happening in our church. And where I want most of it to happen is not out here, not, not, not here, but out there. I want you to be you know, walking down Joel Street more. Speaking in tongues and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. And all of a sudden, God will stop you and you'll go up and you'll say to someone, you know, I just believe God's told me that you've got something really wrong with your ankle. You know, could that be right? And he says, yeah, how did you know that? He says, well, God just told me. Oh, wow. Okay, well, do you mind if I pray with you right now in the name of Jesus? And they get healed and they come to church and they get saved. That's, that's what it's meant to be. We are meant to be the army of God, fully flowing in influence and power for his glory. So thank you for being patient. And there was a lot more I would have liked to say today, but uh, we will stop it here today. And thanks for putting the scripture up, at least for me. Uh, now unto you. Uh, just before we do close, I would like us as a church to pray for Pastor Rod Christensen. I think I shared last week that uh, he and his wife, Kerry, were involved in a terrible accident. Uh, they're locals in the area. And uh, sadly, Kerry's gone on to be with the Lord already. And we believe Pastor Rod's not in good shape. He's been on life support uh, all week and they're really in the place now where they're considering whether they turn off the machines. And so this is a wonderful opportunity for God's glory. Lots of people watching, a lot of saints praying. So can you just grab the hand of someone next to you and we'll just pray for this uh, particular situation. Father, we thank you for one day, chance to change the world. We thank you, Lord, for the Empire Pastors, Lord, for those things that we do overseas and around Australia, Father. We thank you for that. But, Lord, for this brother, Lord, it seems to make no sense to us. But, Lord, as the church of Jesus Christ, Lord, corporately, we link arms, we link faith. 
And we ask you, dear Jesus, Lord of mercy, giver of mercy, God of great power and signs and wonders, display your glory, Lord, in this circumstance. And we speak to his body right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, not in arrogance, but in the humility that you've given us the ability to use your name. Lord, you said, you said, you said that if we would use your name, Lord, according to your will, it shall be done. And so we speak the divine amen of God. Let it be done for this brother we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We'll have the uh, band up and we'll close.